0: Greetings, Ray's community. Brent coming in live with today's guest, Shamari White, who serves as Senior Associate Vice President of Resource Advancement at Emory University. Welcome, Shamari.
1: Thank you so much, Brent. I'm so happy to
0: join you today. Uh, very excited to have a great conversation. So if some of you are watching on video, you're seeing that, uh, that Shamari's bringing it with the the blazer today which he said is not his typical vibe so he he's uh uh it to the next level for the ever true race podcast which we really appreciate but shamari i've been looking forward to this because i feel like i know you pretty well we have had the opportunity by way of your leadership at aasp originally and our participation many memorable years usually in chicago at that conference Um, And so I feel like we've had lots of chances to interact and connect also professionally um, in your in your day to day roles as well. But you're also one of the people that when I think about how much time we've spent together, it's always been about kind of the present and the future. Uh, and And I don't think we've ever really talked that much about why you're doing what you're doing, you know, who you are, where you came from. And so I have been looking forward to this opportunity. And what I've been asking a lot of our guests on The Race Podcast uh, is just to tell me a little bit about your own higher education journey. You know, take me back to junior year of high school. Who was that Shamari? What was he into uh, and what led him to Howard University?
1: Sure. And it's a very interesting sort of uh, background I'm originally from uh, the DMV, as we call it, uh, which is D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. born, actually, in Georgetown Hospital uh, in Washington, D.C., but grew up in Prince George's County, the best county in the world. Of course, we're biased. Um, and so Prince George's County, for those who may have heard of it, uh, Kevin Durant uh, is from Suitland, Maryland, which is in Prince George's County, which started my journey in high school. I went to Suitland High School. Uh, of the performing arts. So um, really started into music. Uh, my parents started their own church, a uh, Baptist church. And so I grew up really early on, really uh, seeing how important it was to serve the community. Uh, my mother also worked on Capitol Hill with Congressman Lewis Stokes of Ohio, the first African-American Congressman in the country. His brother, Carl, was the first mayor of Cleveland. So I sort of grew up really thinking about um, how we can help our community, um, ve- very strong uh, needs of African-Americans primarily, but then going to Suitland, performing uh, arts high school, I was able to diversify my friends, uh, see how important it was to really learn at an early age that we're all different. Um, and it's important for us to cherish those. And so then I began to broaden my my thinking about how to improve the entire community. Um, And so performing arts was my outlet. Uh, And then I started actually at Howard University um, uh, going to uh, a a junior program to learn how to uh,
0: perform and that sort of stuff. So what um, kind of uh performing arts can mean different things what was the what were the specialties here? i know you're gonna so uh i was a singer uh
1: did music no, no 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 i am a singer oh man i'm i'm taking that uh i'm taking that mantle off my son has it now
0: um, is that why karaoke has always been a strong part of the aasp culture it's all making
1: <laughs> yes out. yes you would be surprised brett how many of us in the advancement universe? started off in performing arts. You would just never guess how prevalent that is in our industry. Uh, We're always on stage. We're always trying to influence. We're always trying to create experiences. You've heard, and the experience comes from the experiences we create, uh, really, whether it's Broadway, uh, bands, music theater, all of those things. So really, from an early age, really got excited about singing, about performing, about acting. Uh, and so uh, that's really where my high school career moved. I will tell you, uh, certainly it's a competitive environment. And so going to Howard, I decided I had a decision. Either I was going to go performing arts, I was going to go to business. And so not really having the the confidence necessarily to compete at the highest level, ergo going to Broadway and that sort of stuff. I thought business was a good place for me to land. Um, so started off going to Howard for performing arts in the junior program, but then ultimately decided to go to Howard uh, for business. Um, it was right around the corner. I'm very close to my family. And so it was an easy choice to go to Howard for, for business. And that's where my career began to take off i had an internship in the government i had an internship on capitol hill so again going through you know going through that service sort of lens to learn how important it was to help folks my first uh real sort of foray into philanthropy was working in the grants and contracts office and so my job was actually sending forms to the states uh, or those nonprofits in the states that were getting grants to get them to actually fill out the information. So grants and contracts, OCP, Office of Grants and and Contracts, is sort of where I started uh, a little slight foray into nonprofit. And that must have been probably uh, my sophomore year in college.
0: Got it. And so I mean, Howard has an amazing reputation just around alumni infinity in general, and I think the, the uh, homecomings or reunions got a pretty strong reputation, and I've had uh, actually a bunch of recent Howard connections. Um, Erica Jordan up at uh, Boston University is a Howard alumna. I uh, just ha- had the chance to host David Bennett, who leads uh, Advancement there now and so we've had a lot of a lot of howard connectivity recently but um tell me just about your your student experience like did you feel that vibe and connectivity right away did it take some time i mean just overall how was it for you
1: yeah i had a really strong connection to howard obviously being uh, originally born in dc and really my grandmother lived in dc so i had a real connection to the area and really felt like I was going to school at home. Um, it just continued my uh, journey um, in the area, really. And so my connection to Howard was really um, uh, starting off. I couldn't let the music go. I did the gospel choir. Um, and so we kept going It um, really sort of um, the yard, as we call it, there's lots of movies, whether it's a different world, uh, lots of uh, TV shows, different world movies, really tried to capture the experience of, uh, of a Howard. Um, and I, I lived it. Um, we had stars, we had folks um, in the entertainment business come there because obviously we have a long history of great uh, entertainers and great musicians Um, who had been there, and they would come to the yard, come and encourage some of us who were interested in the arts, give us some best practices, uh, and most importantly, in some cases, things not to do um, uh, uh, in our careers and and sort of pitfalls to avoid. So Howard was really a family environment, um, and a lot of alums, which I think is really, really critical, came back to the school to actually mentor Um, And in some cases, bring their companies, bring their businesses so that we have an opportunity to intern. So it was a lot of activity, a lot of support um, and a lot of excitement and energy uh, on the campus on a daily basis.
0: Love that. And, And tell me about as graduation approached, you know, historical interest and passion around the arts, went and studied business. Where did that lead? What was the the early career um, trajectory?
1: Yeah, I'll tell you, honestly, I sort of waffled a little bit. Um, uh, I, I sort of struggled a little bit um, going in the school of business, really being excited about that. I really enjoy communications as well. Um, and also my mom was working on the Hill. I built those connections. I was working in the government as an intern still at the Department of Health and Human Services and grants and contracts. So I did that my entire career. One of the things that the sort of challenging when you're trying to do service um, sort of jobs, you don't get paid very well, right? Even going on the Hill, also not being paid very well. So I struggled with wanting to do the service, but also obviously trying to make a living uh, as a struggling uh, recent uh, undergrad. So I started off, um, left the government. I was offered a job there. I did some consulting, uh, which has also helped me uh, quite a bit at a place called Maximus, which is a government contracting um, and also managed a big grant. So again, grants was sort of in my life Um, It felt like a good, it paid a little bit more. So that was fine. Um, And then I was offered a really nice job um, in banking. So I tried that a little bit because I was also a great salesperson, loved marketing, loved communications. So did that and then decided that I wanted to potentially go to law school Went back on the Hill because I thought that would help me sort of go into the government. So again, going to the service, sort of a consistent theme, although I sort of jumped around a little bit early in my career. And then once the congressman I worked for retired, um, I was at a crossroads. Did I stay on the Hill, go to law school, or did I try to do something different? Well, fortunately, um, and this is where the tech and the data and all of that orientation comes to play, I was fortunate uh, to be accepted in an uh, executive training program at Bell Atlantic at that point. Um, and so for those of us who are a little older, we remember uh, that there was Baby Bells, there was the Monopoly and all of that sort of stuff. Um, so I was I actually, in which I really learned about professional development and the importance of management at a very early age, because at that point, 24, 25, I started an executive training program at Bell Atlantic. Merged into Verizon, training, education, data, marketing, communications was really part of my job the entire time. Uh, During the merger, and and speaking of conversions, um, this is really my first foray. Bell Atlantic was using PeopleSoft. GTE was using SAP. Very two different financial systems. So I was tapped to be on a leader program, a project. Uh, to look at both of these data sets, create a new database so that we could see the revenue and expenses of these two behemoth companies in one sort of central ledger. And so that was my first foray to saying, oh, this data thing is sort of interesting. It's sort of curious about hindsight, seeing chart of accounts here, chart of accounts here that have very different logic, but need to talk to each other. Sounds familiar? So so that was my first foray to sort of saying, hey, I could go with this data technology and reporting thing. Um, and so a really exciting um, opportunity of Verizon. And that's where I really cut my teeth on the technology and, and data and analytics side.
0: Well, I got to say, having uh, just brought together four or five different companies over the last 12 months at Evertrue, uh, when you're talking about Uh, getting the ledger and the chart of accounts all reconciled. I'm, I'm, it's, I'm a little bit too, it's too soon for me to be having that conversation because we're kind of in it right now. Um, But I can totally empathize with that. I I will say though, um, at this point in, I mean, first of all, I've I've hosted over 150 advancement leaders at this point, very few I think make it um, as far as you made it in your career without yet Pivoting into this career path if that makes sense, where, where you had um, you know most people, I mean it seems like they they somehow uncovered or, or discovered advancement, engagement, something along the way in college, pivoted their way into an entry level role, you know, maybe they were able to go straight up at the alma mater, maybe they had to bounce around at different institutions but but not too many people. We're working in in your case, kind of the, the the wireless you know revolution that was happening at that point, doing merger and acquisition work, and then finding this sector. And so when you know, and then much less not only finding it but going on to lead you know by way of your volunteer work with AASP, one of the key professional bodies. And so I'm just curious, kind of how you stumbled maybe back into the uh, the world that we're in now.
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's an interesting journey. So, uh, taking it off from Verizon once the merger happened, the project of merging these accounts happened. Then it's what's next, right? The merger's done. We've completed this sort of uh, conversion of data from PeopleSoft and SAP. So then it became what's actionable uh, with that data, and what was actionable with that data wasn't necessarily a pretty picture. Um, it showed a lot of duplication, a lot of um, a lot of um, ROI loss PNL losses at some of the centers. So then it became my job to then go and assess some of these centers to see exactly what was happening with management, what was um, and really do some some assessments, um, which weren't pretty. And so my job became closing offices, which I did not like um you know a lot of times with a technology company it's about stakeholder stockholders stakeholders um you know return on equity and those types of things and those are really tough decisions and i didn't like that um, i didn't want to go fire people i didn't want my job to be about closing offices so i had finished uh, grad school at university of maryland of course a consistent trend of the DMV dc maryland um and so at that point in time, after finishing grad school, uh, which was paid for by Verizon, thank you. Um, I decided I wanted to go back to my roots. I wanted to do service again. Um, I wanted to do something that was going to improve uh the community and that was going to improve the lives of uh of, of the folks that I cared about um in the in, in the DC, Maryland, um, and Virginia area. And so Children's National came calling. Uh Children's National Um. Medical Center in Washington, D.C., had an opening, had a lot of transition, um, and they were looking for a job. They were looking for a position uh, to be filled called the director, I think at that point, development services, right? Sound familiar? And so the foundation had been raising a little bit of money, had a great leader, but thought that they could raise significantly more. And my corporate background uh, really helped me. The fact that I had sales and marketing uh, meant that I could actually identify with the fundraisers and what they were trying to accomplish. I had um, a lot of data and technology experience that I built through that conversion project. Uh, And so uh, I was the the wild card candidate (laughs) Uh, with no no nonprofit experience. Uh, Directly, hadn't worked in the nonprofit, as you mentioned. So it was a a really interesting hire for them. And I have to say thank you to John William Thomas, my boss at that time, who did hire me for for really taking a chance on a very young uh, manager to really
0: lead the turnaround uh, that he was looking to achieve. So there could be a risk in that setup where. You had just done all this technology work, the M and A work, the finance work, the MBA, where you could come in a little hot to an organization like that. And so, how did you sort of calibrate? Just taking the time to like learn and understand the business of healthcare fundraising, for example, and fundraising operations um, versus just wanting to dive in and make an impact in a big way right away. I mean, how do you? Uh, what What was that experience like?
1: Yes, I I will say I did come in hot (laughs) initially um, because I'm the new guy. I want to be make change. I'm being hired to be a change agent, essentially. I think what was really important for me um, was twofold. A, to have that management professional development that I received at Verizon. I think training and education and being a good manager, there's differences. There's a difference between being skilled and being a great performer and then being a great manager. Um, And I think you have to um, have both of those, but the management piece is really, really important uh, to really manage yourself, Um, have some emotional intelligence, understand when folks are really buying into what you're saying and when they're not, and how to make sure that you're navigating those gaps. Um, I think also um, having a mentor and having folks uh, immediately grab it immediately gravitating towards a mentor. If you're in a position or in a situation that you're not aware of, chances are, if you have a great uh, circle of mentors, they can help you uh, navigate. uh, And that requires some humility and also some transparency when you don't know something to ask the questions. Um, So I had a lot of that um, going into it. And then Um, really looking for an association or a body because I had so much professional development experience at Verizon. My first probably three months was looking to see what association, what group of organizations could I learn from and who what other institutions are doing certain um, are doing parts of the job that I'm trying to learn about. So I really did a really big outreach um, phase uh, at that time, there was no ASP. Really, sort of tried to reach out to my contacts to understand exactly what they were going through and how could I learn from them.
0: And you spent 13 years there. Very few people have a 13-year tenure, um, you know, ever. I mean, it's just it's just rare. And so clearly, that meant there was the right kind of mission alignment, the right kind of professional opportunities. Um, what do you love about your time there? Uh, just tell me what kept you there for that long. I had a lot to learn. <laughs> First off, um, I was able to start off
1: um, originally just managing the database, gift processing, budget, finance, and administration. Um, and during my time there, I was able to learn and grow. I was able to demonstrate through training and education with CASE. Um, I then began to manage on an interim basis, donor development, which at that point was corpse and founds, direct mail, online, which was very fledgling at that point, um, annual giving. So I had an opportunity to grow and expand my territory and to learn about different parts of the business, which was really important to me, and then grow. I had a great leadership team, great Leadership there. My boss, John William Thomas, his successor, Pam King Sam's, was there pretty much the entire time I was there. So we had some stability there. Um, She hired Judy Graham, who became uh, our COO, and we all stayed together for the most part, the core group uh, during that time. So that stability, that relationship, that ability to learn and grow all parts of the business while growing Um, in my career was really, really critical. Um, And so it was a great, great opportunity. And I really enjoyed my time there um, very, very much.
0: Given that a lot of your work and focus was around, right, systems and tech and data and process and just making sure, right, there's a foundation to the foundation, basically. um, But at the same time, you're working, I mean, we talk about impact and mission, you know, Anything around children's healthcare, it's like you, you just like start crying. I feel like I'd be crying all the time because the stories are just inherently extra emotional, right? Anytime kids are involved, and so I'm just curious, like how you balance just, you know, how how did that team stay connected to that mission? Um, you know, how how do you kind of showcase the impact of the patients and and the the families? Um, as part of an operation like that because I, I gotta imagine that's part of what really keeps the team going and energized and, and, and pushing
1: Yeah I think the, the 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 key question is how do you keep dry eyes yes um, you're kind of seeing the videos that you're really experiencing I spent a lot of time actually at the hospital originally and I had the 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 tough job of moving the office out of the hospital into a satellite. Um, which was a very difficult move, especially, as you can imagine, for the frontline fundraisers, because we were on site, we had immediate access to the hospital, we were connected to the mission, and then I have to move you know, a significant office out of the hospital and put them 15, 20 minutes away, but it's a drive, and so you're no longer there. And I'm also managing uh, to a certain extent donor relations and and, and that team obviously was pretty disappointed about the move. I think what's really, really important or was important for us was to create opportunities um, for us to continue to tour, to to continue to be engaged, to have meetings and sessions over at the hospital, uh, to really keep us really connected Um, It certainly wasn't optimal as being on site, uh, but I think you have to be really strategic and intentional um, to make sure that your team is really plugged in. Um, At that point, we had done some really creative videos, um, had our physicians do thank yous to the staff um, when uh, certain events and certain uh, certain programs happened um, to keep us really plugged in. At the same time, we were also building a race uh, called the Race for Every Child. Um, So really connecting us to D.C., having the race in D.C., and really continuing to have programs, events, and opportunities to connect the staff um, was definitely a strategic initiative for us um, and really, really worked well. I think we all, no matter at what point we were at Children's
0: National, we're all still very, very, very connected uh, because of the work that we did together tell me about the time at chop another amazing organization amazing mission yeah so but to move out of the dmv <laughs> yes
1: yes philly shout out to philly so uh children's hospital philadelphia um has a real special place in my heart um philly is absolutely a fantastic city um i really enjoyed the location of where i was able to work which is called the Wanamaker Building, for just a little bit of history. It's one of the first, if not the first, um, sort of uh, clothing stores in the country. Uh, A lot of history there in Philly. Um, And so really, because I really drank the children's pediatric fundraising Kool-Aid, it was very easy for me uh, to take the top um, position. It's really going from You know, if you think about the sports and I'm a big sports fanatic is going from, you know, number 10 to number one. Right. It's. um, And so it was a big step up. It was a significant, um, exponentially larger organization. Um, The team at that point, I had an opportunity to really build a team from scratch. Um, I have a sort of architectural uh, mindset. And so being able to be an architect to. Uh, what is still a really great team was an experience I could not pass up. Um, And so really DEI and going through COVID and all those things with that group um, was really not only professionally, uh, professional growth opportunity, uh, but really mentally and emotionally, I think building some toughness, building some strength um, and continuing to um, really learn and grow while building the team was really a great experience for me.
0: And and during this this period, um, those last two roles, outside of work, right, one of your side hustles was uh, AASP leadership, the Association for Advancement Services Professionals, and several several of my Everture colleagues have been involved for a long time, other friends, you know, from, from the sector. And what's interesting about AASP is I feel like it's one of the, rare uh, bridges between healthcare and higher education advancement in particular. I know there are other nonprofits that would be represented in the AASP community. Um, And so I'd love to just know a little bit more about your experience with AASP, what folks should know about AASP, but then also um, why isn't there more connectivity between healthcare and higher education fundraising, you know, are there fundamental differences or or is it maybe more similar than people might might realize? So let's start with, you know, just the involvement and then and then get into some of the similarities and differences.
1: Yeah, that's a great, great question, a great, great topic, which I'm pretty passionate about. Um, so in Children's National being there, starting with case, trying to learn, trying to grow, trying to extend my network, there was still a little bit of a gap. Um, there that I found and obviously others did too. And so uh, John Taylor uh, and the team was uh, in their wisdom established and created ASP. And I immediately drank the Kool-Aid to go to ASP just to learn and grow, just to understand as a neophyte to a certain extent uh, in this business, what did I need to know? What is best practice? How did my team need to be structured? What are the policies? What are the practices that we need to, to know about? And so, um, again, understanding the importance of elevating a community, I thought it was important as I was learning that others should learn as well. So I brought my team along and then my network, and then I became a, a really strong volunteer first on the marketing and sponsorship front because that was the um, area of expertise that I had, being a, um, a volunteer there, uh, and then getting on the board, being the treasurer. Um, it, from my perspective, um, if you're in the industry and in you're business and you're professional, you really need to um, obviously elevate the position that you're in and the team that you are manage. But let's look more broadly to the universe the industry in which we're operating in to elevate the industry and other professionals that that are around that may need a mentor, may need to learn. So I drank the ASP Kool-Aid right away. Obviously, when I started, um, higher ed was the focus because it was created out of um, a gap, I think, in case. Um, But then as other healthcare, other children's hospitals began to learn, um, there's a children's hospital consortium called the Woodmark Group. Uh, which are the top 25 pediatric hospitals um, in the uh, in North America, and so I started getting folks at Chop, others in in the country, in, in Woodmark to come to ASP to learn uh, and to share experiences. And in fact, we had a Woodmark uh, sort of group meeting there at ASP. So that began infusing uh, more healthcare fundraising. Uh, and more healthcare organizations and AASP. So we went from sort of 90 to 10, 90% healthcare, 10, uh, 90% higher ed, 10% healthcare, and sort of gone to maybe right about now, 70, 30, something around that. Obviously, shout out to the other institutions and organizations that comprise outside of healthcare um, and higher ed, but um, pretty much, we began to infuse some healthcare in there which was very very important to me obviously based on my position but i thought also to your uh question um also allowed us to begin to see how higher ed and healthcare are aligned in some ways that we might not consider or think about um and how do we learn from each other although we're we're, we're different obviously but there are some synergies there so so what, are the,
0: what are the similarities and and what are the differences? I mean, now, you know, you've obviously been near uh, educational advancement by way of the AASP work, but you really have been a, a healthcare care fundraising professional up until your current role at Emory, which we'll talk about. And so you've got little time under your belt. I mean, what is the exact same? What is the biggest difference?
1: Yeah, I think fundamentally
0: um, raising money is
1: raising money. Um, I think when you think about um, fundraisers and the moves management cycle um, going from one to five, and I I drink that Kool-Aid, I think a structured uh, fundraising approach um, is really critical. So I think as we think about uh, moves management and how to determine at what point a proposals needed and, 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 and the solicitation process, I think it's fairly the same. I think that those are fundamental practices um, that I think can be shared, um, vetted, and assessed um, that I think are are very similar. Um, I also think that when we think about engagement, um, is also a lot of similarities in terms of you know, join, lead, attend, give, Um, certainly going to uh, a football stadium where you're seeing your, your team from your school is different than going to you know an event um, where folks are trying to raise money and raise a paddle and that sort of stuff. But both of them have components of that latter event where you're going to an event and you're raising a paddle and that sort of stuff. Probably a lot more prevalent um, on the healthcare space in terms of the different type of events. But in terms of the strategic mindset that you need to have approaching those different experiences, there are some real strong synergies there because ultimately you're moving someone up up the ladder of engagement, up the ladder of moves management. Those are all fundamental strategies that I think you can employ in both areas. So when we look about our systems, we don't have moves management for higher ed or moves management for healthcare. They're all part of that one to five continuum. Yeah. I think that those are shared um short, shared similarities. I think the differences um are, are many. I think they I think the, the, the donor mindset um, as you think about why an alum gives to their university versus a grateful family uh, are very different um, and need to be treated and engaged. Um, in very different ways. Um, so I think the, the the approach, the actual execution um, are very different because the donor mindset is very different. Um, so I think that's probably the biggest difference. Their motivation, how they see themselves in that institution at a higher ed um, institution is very different than a grateful family and how they see themselves um, in healthcare. So I do think that those are A very different one has a very um, different pace about it. Um, There's urgency in healthcare naturally because it's a life or death situation. Folks are potentially giving because someone has been saved or someone has left, um, and they want to give, they want to make sure other families don't experience that or have a better outcome, or they want to give in testimony to someone that they've lost. So it's a very different sort of conversation, because the mentality, the mental state of that donor, I think is very different. Yeah, I mean, look,
0: I, I ask all my guests, hey, where'd you, you know, tell me about your experience going to Howard University, right? It's a part of your identity. It's on the resume. You know, I don't ask, tell me about the hospital that you attend and why you went there, right? Like that's a very different sort of part of of our lives and something, you know, that's compartmentalized. I'm always struck by probably the difference in, in pace where, you know, let's say for the most part, every year we graduate a new set of alumni and some people pass away and then everything in between, But you've got this sort of 40, 50, 60 year life cycle to get to know people. And sometimes it happens when they're 21 and they never stop being engaged. And sometimes they're ice cold until, you know, until somebody reads the the will and 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 everything in between. And so, whereas with 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 hospitals, like literally every day you're graduating, you know, you're you're taking in a, a a new set of students and graduating a new set of alumni. And sometimes it was a 24 hour experience. And so it just strikes me that the pace is very, very different. And I wonder how much, um, you know, that to me is an area where it would seem like data and intelligence and qualification and trying to figure out, you know, when are we going to actually try to have a discovery conversation versus just let the patient, patient discharge process happen. And, you know, they, they move on.
1: Yeah, I think there is a window, a, a very uh, window that um, uh, that can close very quickly. To your point um, on the healthcare side, where you just want to sort of immediately determine the scenario and make sure that you have an immediate response. I think both of them really require that, but the pace in which you sort of, um, depending on the severity of the issue or depending on the outcome, can vary. I think on the higher end side. You still want an immediate sort of communication, but in many instances, as you say, that could take over time. You want to sort of get them in that engagement ladder. Probably a little, it could take a little bit more time. On the healthcare side, there's urgency, there's immediacy, um, and, and 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 to a certain extent, because it's 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 more of a service as well um, to make sure that people have an opportunity um, in. in in some ways, to feel better about their experience because they have a way to help. A lot of times in the health space, if you're sick or a loved one is sick, you're helpless. You don't have an opportunity to have an outlet. And I think a lot of times philanthropy, what I've um, experienced from from donors, it's an opportunity to help, to control, uh, to to really demonstrate um, some sort of input into life. And that's a pretty significant thing that needs to be done, I think, um, urgently, immediately. And I think that's a very different mindset, a very different pace, to your point, of one, um, one cycle versus another. The difference between getting a daily screening Uh, daily feed of grateful families, daily screening of what's happening in the hospital versus the higher ed space where, again, you might have a more more regimented sort of um, screening um, as you go along.
0: Yeah, sometimes you hear the, well, we're going to update our whatever. We're going to do a screening every five years or something like that. Whereas in healthcare, it seems like it's got to be every five hours. Um, otherwise you might, you know, miss somebody. Um, so you, you had the opportunity then to, uh, to move down to Atlanta and join Emory, uh, obviously an amazing educational institution, but also I think most folks recognize an incredible healthcare operation, um, as well. And so, uh, a pretty natural um maybe blend uh to to bring together those interests that uh were straddled a, at ASP in that community and just tell me about that experience and I, I had a little uh little heads up from josh newton right before uh you you were announced and and i was super genuinely happy for you and for him and for the team
1: yes josh had me at hello um it was great to meet him and to talk to him um, I'd always wanted to have a higher ed experience, obviously being president of an association ASP that was and still is around this 70 percentage, 70 percent higher ed, having lots of close colleagues and friends um, that were in the higher ed space. It was always something that interests me um, to actually work um, in a higher ed space. I am a healthcare um, ambassador. Uh, I really believe that it's urgent and it's important that we have philanthropy and healthcare. It's a life or death. Um, literally in my mind, I think that philanthropy has already changed the landscape of healthcare in so many different ways that I wanted to stay connected uh, to healthcare as well. And so I had um, a need to move to Atlanta uh, because my uh, son was moving to Atlanta to pursue his musical pursuits. And so it just all aligned at the same time. Emory had an opening. I needed to move to Atlanta and it just really came together. Um, I must say it was a very difficult choice uh, to leave Top uh, because I built in, in three years a really best practices operation, I believe, with great team members that I recruited and built um, but Emory um, in Atlanta was such a great opportunity um, that it all fell together. And I was really excited to, to take the
0: job. I love it. I love it. And and I have to now ask you uh, about fatherhood and, and that experience, because a couple of months ago, and I would recommend everybody, you know, connect with Shamari on LinkedIn and, and mention the podcast and then scroll down. Uh, you know, a couple months ago, there's just an absolutely amazing uh, post where, I mean, you tell me, tell me the setup. I mean, it it absolutely brightened my day. And I know thousands of other people uh, felt the same way. So I can't imagine how you felt. What's the story?
1: Yeah, now the video's at 11.7 million on his Instagram page. So it went viral, which is really cool. Very surprising sort of scenario. So Moved to Atlanta t- t- because my son um, is a musician. Um, he plays lots of instruments. He's a singer, so he's sort of Usher, Chris Brown, that type of music. Would be lovely if he got to that level, certainly rarefied air for sure. Um, but we moved down to Atlanta. He's been pursuing his musical career. He signed the Interscope, LVRN. Uh, for those who know Summer Walker, that, that that's a reference there. So basically, same company. Um, and so essentially, we had been trying to go to a marketing strategy, marketing plan. And so he invited me out to dinner um, and said, hey, come downtown. Let's go to dinner. Let's talk. So I came downtown. He said, I got a surprise for you. Um, I was sort of skeptical, said, "Oh, surprise? OK, so he put a blindfold on me uh, and I looked up and it was his picture on a billboard. And what you'll see in the video is my response to that, um, which was uh, a father's dream. Uh, Certainly, um, it's a long road and a lot of hard work. And my reaction is being a proud dad of someone who's seen someone from two to now 19 um, achieve um, something that was pretty cool.
0: I love that man. I love it, and we'll try to figure out a way to include a link or or the clip here in the video version. Uh, really, really special, and something I know you'll you'll never uh, never forget. That's uh, that's super exciting. But I gotta now ask you a little bit about about your own you know content pursuits. Maybe back to the performing arts. I, I'm hearing catching wind that there might be a a new sports podcast featuring uh, Shamari.
1: Yes, yes, sir. Yes, sir. So I'm a renaissance guy. I I have lots of um, interests. I really enjoy enjoy my day job. But instead of hobbies, as most folks have, um, I'm going to do my podcast. Um, So I'm a sports fanatic. Um, I told you early in my career I waffled. One of the things we didn't mention was going to Bristol, Connecticut and being on ESPN. Um, So those who watch ESPN, Stephen A. Smith, that sort of stuff, I drink it all up. I'm a big sports fanatic, both in college, both college sports and uh, professional sports. And so um, I decided now is the time. I've been talking about it for a few years. Um, I have a partner, Austin Olds. We're going to do the Shamari and Austin Top 10 uh, Sports Show. It's going to be a weekly uh, podcast of the top things in sports. Uh, that we think, um, and we're going to chop it up, and it's a very easy conversation because I love sports, um, and so I'm really excited uh, to have that podcast. We're going to start and launch it a Super Bowl weekend. Uh, that'll be our first podcast, and uh, yeah, we'll see how it goes. I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty stoked and pretty excited about it.
0: All right. Well, it's January twentieth as we record this. We, we we're in the midst of the NFL playoffs. We got the Super Bowl of the weekend of February twelfth, I believe. Um,
1: yes, sir. What's
0: your call. What what should we know? And by the time this publishes, the answer will be clear. So, I
1: waffle. I must admit, I am the anti-Stephen A. Smith. Meaning, I'm a Cowboys fan. Um, you know, it's gonna be rough. I don't know that they'll get there. I love to say that they would my current pick right now is uh is the Bengals and the Niners. Um Joe Burrow to me is the best quarterback in the league. I know that's probably not shared by everyone, but I do think he has he's right in the middle. He has all of the all of the traits that all the other quarterbacks have in various doses. He puts it all together. They should have or could have won it last year. They know that. Um, anyone who saw them play the rams knows that and so i think joe barrow and the Bengals get it done this time that's 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 my that's my prediction uh this for for the day so we'll see how it plays out um the niners are very close there too so i wouldn't be surprised um i'll put the cowboys third and we'll see how it plays out but that's my prediction for now
0: well i would say you heard it here first folks but you will have heard a lot uh, between now and when this actually publishes. But I like the call. I like the conviction. No waffling. Uh, that's that's great. And uh, so when is that podcast going to be? Have you started recording yet? What's the game plan?
1: Yeah, we've done our demo. We're developing our YouTube, uh, YouTube page, putting it all together. Um, we've already started a- uh, analyzing the games up to this point getting ready, essentially a dress rehearsal for us, really putting it out and broadcasting and marketing it for Super Bowl weekend. Um, So it's all a process. I'm, I'm really excited about it. It's easy for me because I watch the games. I love it. You have a passion, much like I have for my day job. And I think when you have a passion and energy and you enjoy it, it's all fun. It's not work. It's fun. It's what you want to do. Uh, I love it. It's like being in a barbershop and talking about something you want to talk about. And that's what we're
0: able to do together. So it'll be exciting. Well, tell me um, about. Just when you think of peers in the community, right, this is a tight knit sector you've worked in and you've been a part of some of the industry bodies. I mean, who who are some of your friends, colleagues, folks you uh, have really uh, come to respect over the years?
1: Yeah, that's a pretty, pretty long list. Uh, when I was at Case, uh, Vicki Medlock um, was one of the first people, Lynn Becker, John Taylor, John Thorson. They saw me walking around Denver lost at a case conference. I didn't know anyone. I went into Denver, didn't know anyone. First Case Conference. Again, that was in my first year of being this director with no experience in nonprofit. And so they saw me walking around because I was thinking it's dinner time, it's maybe seven o'clock in Denver, Colorado. And they said, hey, would you like to join us? You look a little lost. Lynn Becker, hi, you look a little lost. I'm like this little pup walking around trying to figure out what I'm gonna do, didn't know anyone. And they took me out to dinner uh, along with Tom Chains. Shout out to Tom. and so we went to, we went to dinner and then Gail Ferris also was there. And so um, we went out to dinner and that really started my journey um, of being, having friends, building my network. Uh, and so there have always been strong mentors of mine. Anita Lawson, now Wayne is one of my, uh, Wayne Combs, who is the former president still on the board um, of ASP. Uh, was at USC, now at um, uh, at Chalk Children's Hospital of Orange County. I had him drink the Kool-Aid too of coming to pediatric hospitals. Um, and certainly I'm very, very plugged in with the board. Uh, Mark Wacott, who works with me um, at Emory, as well as uh, Jessica Laborde uh, and her husband who works at BWF. Uh, and, and I've had lots of great experiences of meeting great friends and then really one of my best friends and and sort of who's been my business partner around the journey, John Thompson, um, who's still at CHOP. Um, We we work very closely together, still share best practices and and our experiences as he's continued uh, to run technology and strategy at CHOP. Um, I built a lot of great um, teams there and a lot of great um, uh, connections. DEI is something that's very, very important to us. So Uh, Katie Miller, who's running DEI and that talent management group at CHOP, still very, very close. I keep in contact with what they're doing, which is phenomenal. Uh, We're going to steal shamelessly, I think, uh, some of those ideas uh, at Emory. Um, So it's a long list of folks. um, And what I learned really, uh, really critical was that vendors are partners. They're not just, and so obviously you've been uh, incredibly giving and generous with your time um, as well as Bill Tedesco and Donor Surge um, and Nathan Chappelle. Shout out to them, Nathan, with his great book, uh, The Generosity Crisis. Um, and, and, and then I, I would be remiss if I didn't say a special thank you to Chris Cannon, too, um, at Zuri and, and all the great work he's he's done there. He's done assessments for me. Um, And then when I left ASP, the marketing sponsorship committee, um, I was fortunate that I could get David Lawson, uh, who's done a lot of incredible analytics work uh, to take over as a marketing. uh, And so I really appreciate that. Um, And now I'm in Atlanta, so I'd be remiss if I didn't say thanks to Dwight Dozer at Georgia Tech, uh, who's been a mentor um, and who's been in this business for a very, very long time. Also Um, a fellow musician fellow musician. He's a drummer. Uh, my son started off as a drummer, so they've connected. Um, so, you know, again, a lot of us have these artsy uh, sort of uh, these experiences. And so um, we still, some of us are doing that hobby. Dwight is still playing the drums. He's still doing, still head of IT at the Georgia Tech Foundation. Um, so um, we all keep very, very, very close-knit group on the ASP board. Terry Callahan, who's uh, who's uh, recently announced her retirement um, at Rutgers? Um, she's been an absolute joy, one of my first folks that I had on the board when I became president. Um, so, so many names to mention. Okay. Uh, sorry for anyone I didn't did mention, uh, but they've all been really inspirational um, on my journey. Um, and I really am grateful for their friendship and for their great advice.
0: I love that. It must have been 2011 when I went to my first conference in Chicago, and I was that that lost guy wandering around. And so many of the same names you referenced. There was a newcomer breakfast. I met Gail. I met Tom. So many people just uh, genuinely welcomed me uh, to the community. And it's obviously a little different when you're, you know, when you're a vendor. Although it really doesn't feel that different um, within that community, it, it, it has definitely felt more like, um, more like a mutual partnership, which has been really, really appreciated.
1: I'll, I will tell you, Brent, just quickly that um, it's easy to drink the Kool-Aid. when you have great people on it.
0: We yeah. have a whole product like
1: ASP and great people around. I'd be remiss. When I was at Children's National, Anne-Marie Halsey was my director of internal stewardship, which essentially is, we've gotten the money. Did you spend it? Um, and she then began to manage hr and budget and she's at the environmental defense fund um, and now is on the board of asp as a secretary um so it's 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 a legacy of really hiring great people building great teams and giving them an opportunity and if they have those opportunities they're going to take hold of it and continue um to move it forward so um well, and-
0: I mean, I know we're coming up on time here, but speaking of hiring a great team, are you hiring? I know you've been doing a lot of team building um, at Emory. What are you excited about? And 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 for folks listening, um, what what should they keep an eye on as it relates to opportunities and how to connect with you?
1: Oh man, that's a whole podcast
0: bred by itself. But I'm
1: gonna make it quick. So we hired Mark Walcott, um, who is our ADP of technology and analytics. We are launching now our conversion from AWA, Advanced Web Access, now the Salesforce. So it's a tech transformation. There's this uh, uh, core concept that we've done for the past um, 15, 17 years, both at DC and CHOP, and we're bringing it to Emory, where we're calling it um, Creating Optimal Records Everywhere. So the core campaign, and essentially what that means is um, we're focusing on technology, reporting, it's a campaign so that the frontline can understand their part in the tech transformation. Um, and it really galvanizes as a concept because we all, as fundraisers, understand the concept of a campaign. So it's a technology tran- tech transformational campaign um, that's a concept that folks tend to gravitate uh, to. So, Mark is leading core uh, through the CRM, we're doing project management. Um, into Right, so we're doing not only a CRM transformation or conversion, but we're also going into a project management environment using Right. So Mark has a lot of uh, upcoming opportunities on his team. And then what I'm probably most excited about because it's something that we have I haven't necessarily done at the level. I think we're going to do it at Emory um, is really pipeline optimization which is really prospect research and prospect management. We were very, very fortunate to uh, recently hire an executive director, Amy Begg, um, who comes to us from Harvard. Um, she has been a fantastic partner. So she's totally transform- transforming our team. She has um, S- assistant director position. So those who may not have a lot of experience in prospect research and portfolio management, but are very interested in wealth analysis. We have those type of positions. Um, We have a a training position um, that's open and then the director position that will really support international prospect research. There's so much wealth in the world that we're not really identifying and really optimizing. So she's really gonna focus us there Um, in this international prospect research uh, position, as well as due diligence. Um, And certainly we've seen in the news where we've had some some really big donors um, encounter some significant challenges uh, that could hurt their reputation, obviously, but the reputation of the institutions that they're giving to. So that's gonna be something that's gonna be significant, especially if you have a very, very strong principal gifts um, and transformational giving program. So really looking at prospect research and portfolio management, management moving it from the traditional to now more of the uh, wealth analysis, the analytics, and really developing business um, best practices on pipeline optimization, as we call it. Um, so lots of great positions uh, that are there um, and that are posted. So really looking for great team members and excited about the opportunity. I love it.
0: I love it, Shamari. Your your uh, energy, uh, it, it's inspiring. I hope people take the opportunity to connect with you. Uh, I know you're active on LinkedIn. At least, if nothing else, you got to go see the 11 million viral video proud dad <laughs> moment. I mean, you got to do that, and then and then reach out to Shamari and and stay in touch. And uh, I just wish you the absolute best in that role. We we. Uh, love collaborating with with the mission that you all have down there and and look forward to um, good things to come.
1: Well, Brent, I really appreciate the opportunity to have this chat. Um, It's good to see you. It's been a while. Hopefully you and family are doing well and ever Obviously, you're doing well Um, using uh, and actually buying some products that we feel are really critical to our success, uh, both on data, donor relations, engagement, all of those things are really being centralized and captured within your portfolio at True. So really thank you for the opportunity to talk and your partnership.
0: You bet. And look, I, I'm going to try to track down the AASP dates and uh, figure out what a what a compelling duet opportunity might be. So we'll we'll see. All right. Yes,
1: I'm, I'm going to hold you to that, man. I would love to do that with you for sure.
0: All right. All right. Well, with that, everybody, hope you enjoyed learning more about, uh, about Shamari's journey. And, and with that, I'm gonna sign off. Uh, Brent, closing today's episode with Shamari White, Senior Associate Vice President of Resource Advancement at Emory University. Take care, everybody.